The Federal Reserve gets a lot of attention for raising and lowering interest rates in time of crisis. It's been doing that for more than 100 years. But it's also developed other ways to keep the economy going. And the COVID crisis of 2020 provides a dramatic example. But it's also a case of unintended consequences. That's according to Tyler Muir, associate professor at the UCLA Anderson School of Management. He says the Fed made it safe for companies to borrow. It bought up their corporate bonds. But that created the expectation that government will do whatever it takes to bail out even those companies that take more risk than they ought to. Hello again, I'm Warren Alney, and this is How the World Works, a podcast from UCLA Anderson. Tyler Muir, welcome. Great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Let's start at the beginning. What was COVID doing to the economy in 2020? Yeah, so COVID, when it first happened, right, um, people were very concerned that businesses would be shutting down, um, that they would have obviously a lot of lost revenue. And there was also just a lot of panic in the market from investors. And one of the places that showed up the strongest was in the corporate bond market. So companies really needed to borrow money through this period of having low business and low revenue. But investors at that point in time were really scared about lending the money. So that was a market that we saw really collapse. And there was a lot of fear that companies couldn't continue to borrow. So what did the Fed decide to do? They stepped in and said that they would purchase corporate bonds. And the idea is Corporate bonds were becoming very cheap at that point in time because investors were all trying to sell them. And so by coming in and the Federal Reserve buying a large portion of corporate bonds, they could push up the price, make it cheaper for companies to borrow and have companies get through this really turbulent time. Okay, you said they would buy up a large portion of the market. They purchased $15 billion worth of investment grade bonds. How much of the market was that? They made this announcement that they would purchase corporate bonds and the corporate bond market jumped very dramatically. And what they ended up purchasing was actually a relatively small amount. 15 billion might not seem very big, but the total size of the corporate bond market at that point in time was about $7 trillion. So this is about 0.2% of the market. Now, what's really interesting, though, is despite having bought such a small relative quantity, they moved the prices from making this announcement really dramatically. So even though they only bought about 15 billion in corporate bonds, corporate bond prices, when they made the announcement, went up by about uh, half a trillion to a trillion. So about 500 billion to a trillion. That would imply that for every dollar they actually bought, they moved the market by 30 to $60, which is really a dramatic number. How did that happen? Well, the way that we explain it or the way that we interpret it is it wasn't really just what the Fed actually bought. It was what the market thought they might be willing to buy if the situation got worse. Okay, so maybe 15 billion is just the tip of the iceberg, but if things had gotten a lot uglier, they would have been uh, willing to step in and buy way more bonds than 15 billion. And that kind of insurance value that the Fed is providing will step into these markets and fix them if they get, you know, very dislocated in some sense, is really what calmed the markets and raised the prices by so much. Now, there's a question, 
how could you actually tell that it really is them providing this insurance value that they'd be willing to buy a lot more if situations got worse? And the way that we show that that is, in fact, what looks like what's going on is by using data on option prices. And so if you think about what are called out-of-the-money put options, those are contracts, basically, that only pay off if the price of an asset falls by a lot. Okay, And so the price of those options, the reason people will be willing to pay a lot for them is if they think that there's a decent or big probability that the market is going to crash. And what we saw after this announcement happened is the price of that insurance, the price of a contract that will only pay you if the market crashes, went down really, really dramatically, much more than the prices of option contracts that will only pay you off in really good states of the world or good times. So this asymmetric change in this sort of like distribution implied by these option prices is where we can really say what the Fed effectively did is cut off the left tail, cut off the downside risk or crash risk in these markets. And that's what provided all the value. Wow. So it's really difficult to figure all this out, it seems to me, if what you're dealing with is how people feel and what they believe. And that's a very difficult thing, it seems to me, to actually measure and account for. Yes, I totally agree. That's why trying to kind of look at this in multiple ways and not just look at the change in the price of the corporate bonds themselves, but look at these contracts that provide downside protection and pay off in upside states is really informative for where the market thinks the Fed is going to intervene and how much and when. So what are the long-term consequences of this? Yeah, that's a great question. So the important thing at the time was we were worried that the whole economy was going to collapse. And so I do think that it certainly provided a big benefit to get us through that crisis. But there's a concern there that once you've done this policy, that you're sort of opening up Pandora's box in some sense, that now market participants might believe that anytime the corporate bond market gets in trouble, for whatever reason, the Fed is going to step in, right? Once they've sort of like rung that bell, you can't sort of unring it. And so there, we do find evidence that that is the case. So even after this purchase program is completely over. All purchases have been made and the Fed says this program is done. It looks like the bond market is still pricing these out of the money put options, as I called it, too cheap. Meaning it looks like the market still believes that if things really did get ugly, the Fed would come back into the corporate bond market and make more purchases. And you can kind of see why that's a dangerous thing. Because if the market believes that the Fed will save them any time that market gets into trouble, well, then people might be a lot less careful when they're buying a corporate bond. They might buy it from a riskier company, knowing that if that risk does get materialized, someone will be there to help them out. So it would appear they didn't do very much. Uh, and yet they've had a long-term consequence that uh, it would appear to me uh, is really significant. Yeah, that's right. They didn't do that much. It was the fact that they were willing to do a lot. They were sending a signal that they were willing to intervene in this market. Uh, but yeah, on the one hand, the cost of the Fed doing this seems really, really small because they didn't end up buying that many corporate bonds. On the other hand, there's kind of this potential long-term cost that you might be worried about, about the moral hazard induced by the market believing that they're going to step in any time that they get in trouble. That Longer term cost is something that's very, very hard to quantify. Um, 
we do kind of show it looks like that long-term cost exists, but it's very hard to get a quantitative estimate to compare that to the benefit that they generated at the time the COVID crisis was happening and say, was it all sort of worth it? Balancing those two things is very difficult. So you have a trade-off here, obviously. They wanted to do something about the uh, situation in 2020. Is there a way they could have done it without creating this long-term effect that might be damaging? That's very hard to know. I'm sure that that is something that they thought a lot about. They kind of used it as a special emergency thing because of what the pandemic was doing, right? We had this once in a hundred year sort of event. I think the problem is, regardless of what they say, even if they try to say, we'll never use it again, it's very hard for the market to actually believe that. Once they see that it's very effective and that it works in helping in a crisis, I think there's going to just be a lot of temptation for them to use it again. People call this like mission creep at the Fed or things like that. The market had also had a lot of experience with this because they had bought treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities in 2008. And that was against something that they were going to do because it was a once in a hundred year financial crisis. And then they kind of continued to use that policy for a long period. And they used that policy again, too, in the COVID period during 2020. So I think there is some truth to the notion that once you use it and you kind of see that it's effective at getting you out of a crisis, it's it's very hard to be tempted to not use it again. Is there any way you can guard against this? If the Fed has to act because of one crisis or another, is there any way for it to help out and yet protect against the long-term consequences that obviously uh, could be problematic? Well, it's kind of an issue of commitment, right? Is there a way that they can commit to only use this tool when it's really, really, you know, a crisis of the order of magnitude like we saw in COVID. And again, I think that's something that they try to do and they think about. But the truth is, once you end up in that situation, it's very hard not to do it, regardless of what you had said before. Well, and again, there would be a trade-off, it seems to me, because the emergency powers do, in fact, allow the Fed to help out in times of crisis. Yeah, absolutely. So it's certainly not clear to me that you would want to take that away. In fact, I wouldn't think that you would want to take it away. I mean, part of this too, right, is when you get a crisis that happened as quickly, as rapidly as something like this happened, it's very hard from the perspective of the markets if what you have to do is go to Congress and get everyone to agree and get some funding for something and agree which companies you're going to step in and buy. It's sort of too late at that point, right? So it is very valuable to have the Fed be able to use these emergency powers to act very quickly and very decisively, but it does come with some potential costs. There's also a political cost, it seems to me, or a political consequence, because uh, people will think that perhaps the Federal Reserve is being too lenient and, and giving uh, corporate executives an opportunity to bail out uh, even when they have uh, made decisions that are uh, excessively risky. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's really why when they had done any of these large asset purchases before, they had focused on things like treasury securities. I believe they had effectively almost promised that they wouldn't come in and buy corporate bonds before the pandemic happened uh, because they didn't want to get into the business of helping corporations or 
it's also hard. Which corporate bonds are you going to buy? Are you going to favor some companies over other ones? And how are you going to think about that? That brings up a whole other set of things. But the reality is, when that crisis happened, I really do think if they hadn't done that, we might be looking at a very, very different situation. I think there probably would have been a very large wave of, of bankruptcies. They probably saved a lot of economic fallout from having acted the way that they did. But there could be fallout in the future from the situation they created, the expectation they created. Completely agree. So managing that is a really difficult thing to do. Was there any dissension at all uh, among the members of the Fed when this action was taken in 2020? I don't know about that privately, but I don't believe there was any publicly. I think they all kind of came out on board with this. But I, I would actually imagine that most everyone was in agreement that something needed to be done. And this was the kind of natural thing to do if you thought something needed to be done. If there's the possibility that you can take excessive risk and be bailed out, why would a company not do that? Yeah, I mean, it certainly does provide incentives. Now, you might be worried that they won't actually, even if you think there's a high likelihood that they're going to come and bail you out, if you're not 100% sure, it still gives you some incentive not to take too much risk. But we did see some of this happening. So bond issuance for investment grade corporate bonds went really through the roof after this policy went out, right? Because now you've made it much, much cheaper. So there was a big boom in issuance in the market because effectively you've sort of subsidized the price of issuing debt. And it does look like that boom continued for quite a while and quite a while after this program and, and these policies were sort of officially over. So I do think there's some evidence of some of that. What stopped it, do you think? I don't know that it necessarily has been stopped. I think there probably still is a belief that if we had a near repeat of the pandemic, maybe not caused by something like a pandemic, but something else that really, really got the corporate bond market into trouble, I, I do think there's still a belief, maybe not with certain probability that they would intervene, but certainly a, a positive probability that they would come back in and intervene. So again, we all know about the Federal Reserve setting interest rates, raising and lowering them. Is there an analogy there that's important in terms of confidence in the market? Yeah. So I do think that this announcement of corporate bond purchases certainly generated a lot of confidence as evidenced by kind of the options market. Whether that confidence sort of persists or whether people believe that that is going to be an intervention that continues, I think they left that a little bit open when they made that statement. So I'll give you a different example, maybe, where that goal of confidence was like a little bit more explicit. And that would be Mario Draghi's speech as head of the ECB or European Central Bank, where he famously said, we are going to do whatever it takes. And I think he also said, and I promise that it will be enough. So that was a much more explicit promise to instill or provide confidence. I think the Fed's version in 2020 with the corporate bond markets was a little bit more implicit. I think they were actually a little bit worried about saying, explicitly, we will do whatever it takes because it would generate this persistent belief that they would always step in no matter when things got into trouble. And so I think there was probably some portion of them that wanted to avoid that. But at the same time, they kind of did want to signal, look, if this time turns out to be worse than we're thinking it is right now, we'll do a little bit more and we'll kind of come in and, and help. So they, I think they wanted to inspire kind of short-term confidence in the market 
but not make that a permanent effect exactly because of some of these trade-offs that we've been talking about. Why is it that corporations issue bonds? Yeah, so a bond is basically investors lending money to a corporation for them to run their business, run their operations. And so that allows them to build factories, whatever it is that they need to do or want to do with the capital. And so by them issuing the bonds, investors are going to pay some money for the bond and they're going to get in return this security, this bond, right? And then later on, the corporations are going to pay back the investors whatever initial amount they borrowed plus some interest. And that basically just allows them to productively use that money for whatever investments it is that they need to make. And the bonds then become a part of a market and people buy and sell. Yeah. And the bonds become part of a market and, and people buy and sell them. And the price that you're willing to pay for that bond is going to be driven by effectively two things. One is the overall interest rate sort of out there in the economy. And there's going to be a second thing, which is you're going to also want to think about whether or not you think the company is going to default on that bond, meaning they will not have enough money when the time comes to actually pay you back. And so the riskier you think the company is, or the higher the chance you think that they are going to default or not pay you back, the less you would be willing to pay for their bond. Now, if you think that this policy is effectively subsidizing these companies by making it easier for them or cheaper for them to issue bonds, then effectively investors don't need to price as much that risk that the company is going to default or not pay them back because they believe that the Fed can come in and, and step in and, and buy these bonds off of them for a higher price and they don't need to worry about it. So what happens to the bonds after the Fed buys them? What takes place? They might do different things. So in all these asset purchases that they made, whether it's corporate bonds or treasuries or mortgage-backed securities, they can do one of two things. Sometimes they will buy the bonds and they will just hold them to maturity. So they will just collect the interest and collect the payments on those bonds. And those bonds are effectively sort of permanently off the market. At other times, sometimes what they will do is at some later date, when they think things have cooled off enough, they might sell back some of those bonds to the market. So they've kind of done both of those cases, either just hold them to maturity or at some later date, uh, potentially sell them back to the market. Well, Tyler Muir, it's great to hear from you. And uh, thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks so much for having me. This, is, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Okay, so do I. This is How the World Works, a podcast from UCLA Anderson. I'm Warren Olney. Thanks a lot for listening. Join us again.